What's up, Tony G Nation? Another edition of the Tony G Show coming at you. No Will McCormick today, just Tony G. Will is on Easter vacation, which is all right. His contract allows for him to take one vacation a, a season, so he's doing that. I kid, of course, on the Tony G Show. Will is not under contract, but he is on Easter vacation. We wish him a very nice one with his family. As for all of you, Tony G Nation, enjoy your Easter break and your Easter vacations with your families, with your friends, however you celebrate it. As for this episode of the Tony G Show, it will just be Tony G today, riding solo. Very lonely in Tony G Studios with no Will McCormick, but you know what? Once we get going, it'll be a good episode. We'll start the episode by previewing Major League Baseball as today is opening day. As today's recording of the Tony G Show, opening day, I had the TV on, baseball preview shows on, baseball pregame shows, flipping back and forth. So it'll be a good day for baseball. So we're going to discuss the general direction of Major League Baseball as we head into this 2021 regular season. It's going to be the first full regular season since 2019, since COVID shorted the 2020 season of Major League Baseball. So 2021 is going to be this first 162-game season since 2019. We'll discuss that in the general direction of Major League Baseball. Then the second segment of today's show, we're going to discuss March Madness. Going to recap a couple a, a couple games, look at a couple teams that I think are really very impressive. And, you know, with the Final Four coming this weekend, Houston, Baylor, UCLA, Gonzaga, let me tell you what, it's going to be good basketball back-to-back, and then the championship is just going to be outrageous. So I look forward to that. We'll preview those games. I'll give you my picks of who I think is going to win. If Will McCormick were here, he would give you his picks as well. But he is going to be, once again, missed on today's episode of the Tony G Show. Interesting discussion to round out the show in segment number three today. We're going to discuss a little wrestling. And this is something Will McCormick wanted to do uh, as well, but you know it only fit in on this episode where he is going to be away. So, Will McCormick will not be able to take part in this WWE discussion. It's Listen, I was kind of reluctant to discuss it, but you know what? I think it'll just show the range of the Tony G show if we're able to discuss this. What sport can't we discuss? So we're going to discuss wrestling at the back end of the show and their their newest list of Hall of Famers. That's our show. Going to be a good one. Will McCormick's going to be missed. But we're going to get it going. Before we do, got to remind you, the Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays, Apple Podcasts, Google's Podcasts, and Spotify. Next week's episodes, Tuesday, there's going to be no Will McCormick again. He's still going to be on Easter vacation. And Tuesday's episode is going to be a Tony G Show interviews. That's right, Sam Fonder, very good friend of the show. We've been talking about getting him on for seasons and seasons now, and we finally will on Tuesday. Good episode, look up for that one. Then on Thursday, we're going to have golf expert Jared Reinhardt on to discuss the Masters, as that will kick off next week, Thursday as well. So good week planned for Tony G Show's next week as well. But before we do, this episode, season 6, episode number 16 of the Tony G Show, let's get it going. I'm I'm excited. Going solo, you know, Will's going to be missed, but I'm excited. Let's get today's Tony G Show rolling.
once again, no Will McCormick on today's Tony G Show. But we're going to remind you that you can follow Will McCormick on Twitter at Willis5312. Follow me on Twitter at Tony G Show to stay connected with the show at all times. Today's episode, Season 6, Episode number 16, let's get it rolling with this discussion. Today, as this recording is being done of the Tony G Show, it is opening day in Major League Baseball. A day that many would argue should be a national holiday, and I, I agree. Who wants to do work? Who wants to do school? Who wants to do anything but watch baseball on opening day? And of course, that's being a little bit broad and dramatic. There's a ton of people out there who probably won't even bat an eye on opening day. But how many, tell me, how many sports begin with a bang like baseball does? Everyone comes together on opening day to start the season. It has its own name. Football is a little bit different because, you know, there is one specific day that it starts, but it's only one game. This their Thursday openings. Okay, well, what about the rest of the teams? Basketball is sort of the same. That's called opening day, but it doesn't have the same effect. You could argue, argue curling has a very good opening day. I'm just kidding. I've never heard of it. But that only heightens my point that opening day for Major League Baseball is that much more effective, that much more prominent, that much more respected than any other sport, any other start of a sporting season, I should say. Major League Baseball opening day is the mark of a country, okay? And, and, you know, don't roll your eyes at this melodramatic take here, but baseball is America's pastime. And although it may not be the most popular sport today, it still, throughout the course of history, has been America's pastime. And I'd argue today that it still is. I make a difference between America's pastime and the most popular sport. Because the most popular sport is obviously going to generate the most revenue, get the most fans, get the most attendance or, or attention, I should say, from youth and, and young populations of, of sporting fans. You know, football is the sexy sport, the, the popular sport that everyone is kind of drawn to, makes national headlines. But baseball is that one consistent factor that never goes away. 162 games in many Unfaithful, I'm willing to call them, unfaithful baseball fans say that's too many, 162 games. But I say keep it. I say keep it. You start in April, you go through the end of September. Why would you keep that? Why would you keep so many games? Why would you risk the fatigue of players and injury of players for playing so many games in a season? Well, because we've gotten to a point in Major League Baseball where it's able to be managed on a different level. Off days here, off days there. Don't start this guy on this day. You know, it's managed differently. It's much more analytical than it ever has been before. So 162 games makes no difference, to be honest with you. Another reason why I see keep the 162-game season is because, as I mentioned before, it is the consistent factor of a summer. It is the, it is the sign of summer, Okay. Me coming from a state of Wisconsin where it doesn't get warm until mid-June, and that's an exaggeration, I, you know, early to mid-May is when it starts to warm up. But regardless, when you see baseball, you see sunlight, you see blue clouds, you see birds, you hear birds chirping in the trees in the morning. It's the sign of spring, it's the sign of summer, 
And then as the season winds down, it is the sign of fall that winter is upon us. I mean, it is the one consistent factor for the seasons, for people. It is, it is almost like a circadian rhythm, you know, where you need sunlight every day. So your body kind of tells when it's time to go to bed, when it's time to wake up. Baseball is that circadian rhythm for a summer. It is the one consistent factor that will never go away. And to those who are trying to diminish the 162-game season, I say shame on you. Shame on you. It is the mark, like I said, it's a circadian rhythm. It is the mark of a summer. It's the mark of a time, a joyous time. It is America's pastime. It is not the most popular sport, but it is America's pastime. Games may take three, four hours. That's okay. That is okay. It is America's pastime. It's supposed to pass the time. And for Major League Baseball aficionados like I consider myself, and like I have a couple friends who are huge Major League Baseball fans, follow prospects, follow teams, know the rosters down to each 25, 26 players, you know, however many it may get to, especially in September. People who really educate themselves on the game of Major League Baseball. Aficionados like us, we may take it more serious. You know, we may focus on a three, four hour game a little bit more than an average casual fan. But an average casual fan might not miss much, which is okay. I'm saying this is a positive thing. He could walk, he or she could walk away, grab a bite to eat, grab something to drink, go run an errand or two and come back and that baseball game is still going to be on. Nine innings of fun, joyous baseball for us aficionados and nine innings of well, this game is still going, but you know what? I'm going to watch. I'm going to flip on the game. I mean, why would you try to diminish the time? And, you know, the, here's where I get a little bit upset. Because as someone who is really engulfed by the game, as I am, of Major League Baseball, I really do love Major League Baseball. It is something that I hope, I hope and I pray never gets diminished in any way from the history of the game, from the naturality of the game, and I'm starting to see these factors implemented that take away from that naturality of the game. And I think a cause of that is Rob Manfred. Now, when he was first assigned to be the commissioner of Major League Baseball, I was all for it. I liked how he spoke. I liked where he was headed. I liked where he thought Major League Baseball was headed as a whole, as an organization. I liked how he talked. I liked what he wanted to do. And he has come in and done nothing but try to tarnish the game. And it's a shame. It is honestly a shame. I don't know if it's so far as to say that he should not be the commissioner of Major League Baseball anymore. But I'm going to say that it should not be... What's the word I'm trying to put in here? It should not be so artificial. There it is. And I get coronavirus season, it could be a little bit different, and you, you might have to change some of the games. However, some of the changes I just don't see necessary. Putting a runner at second base to start extra innings, what are we doing? Where did he come from? I mean, that's just a terrible change that no one really benefits from, except the casual fans. And I put quotation marks around fans, because if they're casual fans, then they wouldn't care about how long the game is. And especially in extra innings, their attention span would only be heightened for the game. 
I'm a fan of these 16-inning games. Some, not a lot may happen, but every moment is tense. At any moment, especially for the home team when they're, when they're hitting, every moment the game could be over. The game could be drastically impacted. And you could argue what's the impact of one game in a 162-game season. Well, ask me that question in the middle of September. Ask me that question when a division race is being decided by a half to one and one and a half games. To when a wild card team is just a half game out of it. And if they just would have took that one game in the middle of June, then they could possibly be in that wild card, if not tied for it. Maybe even higher in their division. Ask me what the purpose of one game in 162 is. Ask me that in September, okay? Now back to Rob Manfred and and the artificial aspect of the game. I think it's fair to play with a pitch clock. Pitchers do take a lot of time in between pitches, and that's somewhat on the batter too. I remember Ryan Braun, when he was a brewer, every pitch he'd take, whether he swung or not, he'd relace his batting gloves two or three times. He'd bend over, get some dirt on his gloves, rub his gloves together, you know, regrip the pine tar and step in and it's like 25 seconds before he takes the next pitch I get it I get trying to reduce those aspects of the game but doing this artificial nonsense coming out of nowhere messing with the naturality of the game which I've been arguing is a step too far Rob and I mean you know the, the extra innings is one thing but how about the tampering with the baseballs it is a proven fact that the baseballs used in in past seasons of, you know, let's say like the last three to five years have been more alive. That's how I'm going to put it. More alive. More lively baseballs. They've been tighter. Tighter cores. Tighter strings. So that the baseball flies farther. And that's why we're seeing an influx of home runs over the last couple seasons. And thus, why we are seeing death of pitchers. Over the last couple of seasons. Ruined careers of guys who have fought their entire lives to get to this point to play in Major League Baseball. Only to have their careers shortened and their lives drastically altered from a tampered baseball. And it's not like a baseball that the home team kind of, you know, mixed in with the normal baseballs. It was Major League Baseball. Under Commissioner Rob Manfred, tampering with the baseballs. Tampering with the naturality of the game. Tampering with people's lives. And you know, earlier in the show, I gave some some dramatic examples and I admitted to it. But this one, I argue, is not so dramatic. It's serious. It's prominent. It's real. It's not dramatic. People have fought their lives for opportunities to get to Major League Baseball. Minor League Baseball is a purgatory in its own right for certain players. They're not treated the same, not paid the same, not fed the same, not given the same attention, certainly not given the same opportunities. So when they finally get to Major League Baseball, let's take a guy by the name of, I don't know, I'm just making this name up, Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson works his entire life to get through high school, college ball, and moves into Minor League Baseball. Gets drafted by an organization, let's say, the Detroit Tigers. And he's in the Detroit Tigers organization, 
He's in low A ball, works his way up to high A ball, works his way up to double A and triple A. And he's now, after he graduated from college, he's 22. Let's say he's now 26, 27. He's married and Joe Johnson and Mrs. Joe Johnson want to start a family. Joe Johnson ain't getting paid nothing. Joe Johnson's making like what? 15000 20000 30000 a year, if that? How's Joe Johnson going to start a family like that? So he finally gets up to Major League Baseball. And Joe Johnson gets his first appearance out of the bullpen. Seventh inning, Detroit Tigers versus division rival Chicago White Sox. And Joe Johnson comes into this game, gets the first out, strikes out the first guy. Next guy up, Joe Johnson gives up a tank, a home run. Next guy up, Joe Johnson gives up a double off the wall. Next guy up, Joe Johnson makes a very good pitch, kind of a half swing from the the batter. That little half swing, blooper into center field or, or right field over the second baseman's head, which with a normal baseball would be caught. Now all of a sudden, this inning is getting away from Joe Johnson. Next pitch, Joe Johnson makes another good pitch. Hitter puts an all right swing on it. And sends it on out of here. Joe Johnson in his first appearance has given up three, four runs, but has struck out one. Managers, coaches now think, well, Joe Johnson might not really be a fit for our Major League team. When in reality, if it was a normal baseball not tampered with with Major League Baseball by Rob Manfred, its own commissioner. I mean, it's not like a rival organization for baseball is trying to tamper with the baseballs. This isn't like... I don't know, some secret spy in Major League Baseball from a different organization messing with the game. It's its own commissioner, Rob Manfred. I mean, so Joe Johnson's career is altered. He's never going to see Major League Baseball again because he was, what, tampered with in terms of baseball that he used. And baseball has made the correction. There has been a slight drop in home runs, a slight increase in strikeouts and in in extended careers of pitchers because of it and it's good to see but when i when i preface this discussion by talking about the direction of major league baseball coming into this 2021 season there's a lot i need to see from it as an avid fan of major league baseball as a guy who loves major league baseball and sports as a whole but holds major league baseball higher than any of the other sports that he watches i am willing to say that i need to see a lot out of Major League Baseball. There's a lot that needs to change. There's a lot of changes that don't need to happen. And I think it all starts with Rob Manfred. So take what I'm about to say how you will. Apply what weight to it you will. But Tony G is calling out Rob Manfred. It's time to step up as a commissioner. And I get things are about profit, especially after that shortened 2020 coronavirus season, I understand that you might not be working with the most income profit. I I understand that. Here's the thing, is that you can't tamper with the game to make that up. I need to see a lot out of you, Rob. I need to see a lot out of you. You've been criticized over the last couple of seasons for how you've handled a couple things, a couple problems, a couple changes over the last couple of seasons, since you took office, really. And I think this season is the season to prove yourself, prove your worth. Not to the players. I mean, you need to to the players. Not to the owners or the coaches. You need to to the coaches or the owners. 
But you need to prove it to the fans, the avid fans who are here for the ups and downs of Major League Baseball, the avid fans who will not leave no matter what, the avid fans that are willing to argue, to put up an argument for Major League Baseball against any other sport. It's time to step up, Rob. It's time. Your time has come to prove yourself. How are you going to handle this bounce-back season for Major League Baseball? I'm willing to argue it's very crucial that you handle it wisely. Because if Major League Baseball starts to fail in this 2021 regular season, you are going to see a drop of fans, and then you're really going to see a drop of income like you never thought you would have before. And there's not much that you can control with coronavirus. I understand it. There's not much that you can... You know, I'm not naive to the fact that it can happen to any team at any time. Just the just earlier this week, before opening day, the Milwaukee Brewers had a scare with coronavirus. Someone on their... Uh, I forget. I think it was their AAA team or something. Someone that was up for spring training tested positive. And it was ruled that it was a false positive. Everything was okay. The Brewers will tip off. Well, tip off. This is baseball. We'll throw first pitch against the Minnesota Twins in opening day, coming up shortly, actually, as, as of the recording of this episode. So everything's fine with the Brewers. But how about another team out there that is also dealing with a scare of coronavirus on this opening day, no less? The Washington Nationals. Someone tested positive in their organization. Now the New York Mets can't play. Opening day has been canceled. Oh my goodness. So I get it. I understand that there's so many different aspects that you can't control. But that's not to say that you have a responsibility to the fans, to the players, to the owners to make this season as fun, as enjoyable, as productive, as rememberable. Rememberable. Look at me. I'm a college student saying that. As memorable as past seasons. Where you didn't have to deal with coronavirus. So here's the challenge, Rob. How are you going to handle it? How are you going to handle this 2021 season? And another news line, a headline heading into this 2021 season that I have to bring up, I want to talk about this, is the Angel Hernandez lawsuit. Major League Baseball umpire Angel Hernandez has sued and this was a couple years ago, actually, that he has sued Major League Baseball for racial injustice, claiming that he has not been assigned to playoff games or big moment games because he is of Latin descent. Angel Hernandez. He is claiming that that is a reason he has not gotten into big moment games as an umpire. And that holds weight to it. I mean, especially in this emotionally charged time in America, talking about race. And that's something that we don't usually do here on the Tony G Show. But for this particular moment, I want to bring it up. Because this this is a huge headline heading into the season for Major League Baseball. And I want to see how Rob Manfred will respond. It just came out yesterday, as of the recording of this Tony G Show, that Angel Hernandez lost that lawsuit against Major League Baseball. You know, I, 
I, I this is a this is a touchy subject because when you bring in race, you know, it, it can get very intricate. You have to watch what you say, and I understand that. But to me and other baseball fans, it is obvious that Angel Hernandez has not gotten big moment games, has not gotten playoff games because his production, his productivity, his responsibility and his reliability in small moment games are just brutal. And I say this from a place of understanding. I say this from a place of calmness, of peace. This isn't something emotional I'm I'm saying. It's just that it's obvious over the past course of seasons that Angel Hernandez has not gotten the position he has wanted in big moment games and playoff games and postseason baseball because his production is just terrible. The guy is a terrible umpire. He is. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to put it nicely because the guy has ruined games with a terrible strike zone, with a terrible call, with a terrible leash for managers who want to argue with his terrible calls. That is why, just like in any company, take a factory. Who's going to get the big, the big job? Which, you know, which firm or, or, or which press is going to get this big story or this big job? The one that's the most productive, the ones that deserve it. And for Angel Hernandez, I, you know, I I can't speak on the racism if there is any in baseball. I can't speak on the experience of Angel Hernandez if there is any. So I, I can't go too far into his experience and, and from his standpoint. But to me, this was the right decision. To not let Angel Hernandez walk away as a man with a smile on his face because he just beat Major League Baseball at a game that they weren't prepared to play. They just beat he just beat Major League Baseball if he would have won in this lawsuit that he didn't deserve to win. And like I said, if if he has been racially discriminated against in Major League Baseball, that's one thing. Then that's one thing. And that needs to be addressed immediately before any game can be played, before any player can get signed to a contract, before any umpire What's the word I'm looking for here? Before any umpire assignments can be given, that has to be tended to, if it indeed is is prevalent. I don't know that it is. I don't know what Angel Hernandez or any other umpire or player or coach or any member of Major League Baseball has had to go through. But to me, this was just an opportunity to show the world that Major League Baseball will not back down from a challenger. It's an opportunity for Major League Baseball, and I like how it's been handled, for Major League Baseball to show that it is not racially charged anymore. It is not racist. It is not a racist organization. An organization that has been in the past, by the way. Don't forget that. The days of Jackie Robinson, the days of Roberto Clemente, the days of Hank Aaron. And none of those names that I mentioned are with us anymore, so you can't hear first-hand sources of that today, unless it's a video or something like that. But you can't hear them talk about it today. So that only proves that 
the memory of them has to stay alive to show the history in the past of Major League Baseball. That racial history and that racist history that it has. And it's done a lot of work, it being Major League Baseball, has done a lot of work to reverse that past. Just recently, they've allowed for Negro League Baseball statistics to be considered real Major League Baseball statistics. A well-deserved and overdue move, but one I'm glad to see happen and come to fruition. Good. It's about time. But that only heightens the point and emphasizes, I kick something here in Tony G Studios, that only emphasizes that Major League Baseball is no longer racist. And like I said, I don't know if behind the scenes in the dugout or or in the back corner of a building that it is still prevalent. I don't know that. But on the preface, on the outsource, on, on, on the surface, Major League Baseball is proving that it is an equal opportunity sport, employer, and organization. So there's something positive brewing in Major League Baseball under Rob Manfred. Now the rest of the game, the rest of the sport, how will it respond to this case? How will it respond to the coronavirus? How will it respond heading into this 2021 season? And that, to me, is the biggest headline. I could have took this opportunity, in segment number one, as we come to a close with it, I could have taken this opportunity to give you, to preview the season in terms of division winners, in terms of statistics, who's going to win this award, that award, who's going to get fired, who's going to get released and traded. I could have previewed it like that. But I chose to do it this way. Because this is a call to action for Rob Manfred and the rest of Major League Baseball to step up. This is their soapbox. Their time is now. Football showed they can go an entire season. Basketball showed that it's working through an entire season. Shortened because of the last season, but a full season no less. Not 82 games, but that principle still stands. It's a full season. College basketball is winding down. It has shown that even though it's gone through trials and tribulations, it's gone through up and downs, it can get to the finish line. Major League Baseball even did it last year. But there was still so much conflict between players and players associations and the rest of Major League Baseball. How are we going to play these players for a non-full season? And how are we even going to get a season in? Thus it was delayed until July. That's another mishandling, another blemish on the record of Rob Manfred. But this is the season. This is the, A full season is on the schedule here. 162 games. Let's get them in. Let's get to the postseason. And let's get to October holding our chin in the air, holding our nose to the sky, that we got through a full season. And then tell me, and then tell me, whether Major League Baseball is on the right track or not. So I wanted to discuss the direction heading into this 2021 season because I think it's very important that we hold clear in our minds what the goal should be for Major League Baseball. That we hold clear in our minds where baseball has been, where it is, and where it's going. Like I said, I could have taken this time to discuss you know, who I think is going to be the Cy Young or the Major... Or, or, or the most valuable player. I could have taken this time to discuss who's going to win what division, end up where, but I didn't. I did not. I wanted to discuss the overall direction. And, you know, this is maybe the most scholarly dis discussion I've had on the Tony G Show. This being episode, what, number 103? 
this may be the most mature and professional conversation I've had with just myself as Will McCormick's out today, but I think it's an important one to have. So as we wind down that conversation, just keep in mind as this season gets going that it's exciting that baseball's back. That opening day should be a national holiday, okay? I mean, it's it signifies the start of a pastime. It signifies a, a time in a person's life. life. It signifies a time in a year, this particular year being 2021. Let's move to segment number two. As we wrap up that baseball discussion, let's move to college basketball. As the Final Four in college basketball is set to get underway this weekend, Saturday, game number one, Houston-Baylor, two-seed versus a one-seed, two-seed being Houston, one-seed being Baylor. And then the second game of that doubleheader of the Final Four, number 11-ranked UCLA, who kudos to them for getting to the Final Four in the way that they did, in the manner in which they did. By knocking off Michigan, who was the number one ranked team in their region, 51 to 49. Very good game. That was a tough game for UCLA and especially Michigan. They lost. Michigan was obviously the favorite, and Gonzaga, Michigan, both one seeds would have been complete. Would have been complete basketball. I mean, that would have been an amazing game to watch. And you know, I'm kind of sad that we don't get it, but. Credit to UCLA for getting themselves to this point. They will face number one ranked Gonzaga, who, I mean, let's just get into it. I want to talk about the most impressive teams out of March Madness, and how can you argue against Gonzaga? How, how do you do that? 30-0 and 0 overall. 30-0. and 0. They haven't lost a game this year. I mean... It, it shows to me that that record alone shows to me that this is a team primed to win the championship. And usually how I do this discussion when I give my picks and I give my you know predictions, I'll go, fi- I'll go in order. I'll go first game, then second game of Final Four, and then I'll get to the championship and predict it. I'm going to tell you right now, before I even predict the Final Four, Gonzaga is going to win the championship no matter who they play. They can dust any one of these three teams. And granted, Baylor's going to give them the most competition. But Gonzaga is going to dust any one of these teams. Let's start with a cat that I love to watch on their team. Drew Timmy. Big guy, can shoot, plays great defense on a team that has overall great defense. Not to mention the facial hair of Drew Timmy is just outstanding. Impeccable. Second to none. Gonzaga is by far and away the best team this season. They deserve to have a championship. They deserve to have a championship. They've carried themselves with class. They've kept their priorities straight in a season filled with coronavirus obstacles and illusions and and distractors that can pull them away from the game of basketball. And here they are, 30-0. and Two more games until they're champions. Two more wins until they're champions. Hard not to respect that. So when I talk about the most impressive teams, all around most impressive teams, I mean, if Gonzaga Gonzaga doesn't steal that decision for you, I don't know what team will. Gonzaga is obviously by far and away the most impressive team out of March Madness. Not just March Madness, but the entire 
2020 to 2021 NCAA Division I basketball season. Now, speaking of defense, of Gonzaga, impressive teams, you know, you, you, obviously Gonzaga is the number one. But I mentioned if Gonzaga plays Baylor in the championship, that's going to be an amazing game. And I hope it gets to that point. Speaking of defense, Baylor has great defense. A couple of their stars, Jared Butler, who does it on both offense and defense, leading the team with 16.5 points per game, but also leading on defense with two steals per game. Javion Mitchell, 5.3 assists per game. Mark Vidal, I mean, there's talent all up and down this roster. It's hard not to like Baylor. It's hard not to like Baylor. I think they'll give the biggest challenge to Gonzaga. However, like I said, Gonzaga is a team that can wipe the floor with anybody in the country. So speaking of defense, Baylor is a good competitor to Gonzaga. A, a solid number two. But I wouldn't say a close number two just because Gonzaga is that far ahead of the game. That far ahead of everybody else around them. Gonzaga is the obvious, the obvious alpha. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention a third team, also in the NCAA Final Four, that has really impressed me. A team that I'll admit kind of went under my radar this season. You know, I heard about them, but I didn't really look into them so so much this season. But heading into March Madness, that was a mistake on my part. The Houston Cougars, who come in 28-3, have their work cut out for them playing Baylor if they want to get to the championship. But, I mean, Quentin Grimes is a star. 18 points per game, 6 rebounds per game, 2 steals, or excuse me, 1 assist, 1.5 steals. Quentin Grimes is the guard of the future. Wherever he ends up, whatever team, whatever organization, whatever country he plays in, Quentin Grimes is going to be that star of that team. The team will revolve around him. You talk about alphas with Gonzaga as a team. How about individual alphas? Quentin Grimes is a man amongst boys. Hard to argue with that. So when I talk about the most impressive teams... You know, I mentioned the Gonzagas, and I mentioned the Houstons, and I mentioned the Baylors, of course. But how about the other team getting in? UCLA, the Bruins. Wow. I mean, for a, a team in UCLA that played in the, in the NC tournament, NCAA tournament first four, okay, the play-in game against Michigan State, beat them 86-80. Beat BYU in the first round. Upset. Beat ACU. I don't even know their name off the top of my head in the second round, but I mean that just goes to show you how easy their second round was. They won by 20. But then they get to the Sweet 16 and they knock off Alabama and knock off Michigan in the Elite Eight. And that Alabama win was by 10 points. Impressive basketball is being played in in California for UCLA. And granted, I know they're not in California right now, but impressive basketball is being played. And for as much as I build up the argument for Bruin basketball, I would love to be able to tell you this isn't going to be a blow-by game for Gonzaga. This is going to be, UCLA is going to give them a run for their money. This is going to be a challenging game. They're on a Cinderella run. They're talented basketball. 
players and, and, and a talented team. And Gonzaga has their work cut out for them. But, I mean, it's Gonzaga. Haven't lost a game this year. And who's to say that they will? <laughs> They're, if i got to give my picks, it's going to be Baylor, Gonzaga. Baylor's going to knock off Houston. Gonzaga's going to knock off UCLA in the Final Four. And the championship's going to be Baylor, Gonzaga. And Gonzaga's going to win by 10. It won't be high scoring because there's two great defenses in Gonzaga by in Baylor. But the way Gonzaga starts games, I mean, they're up 10-0 in the blink of an eye. And granted, I know Baylor is no USC. Baylor is no Creighton. Baylor is no Oklahoma. Baylor is no Norfolk State. Okay, I know that, that Baylor, I'm not naive to that fact. Baylor is a much more impressive team, especially defensively, than the rest of those teams. But Gonzaga is still going to start that game 9-2. to And Baylor's going to be playing from behind. That's how Gonzaga starts. That's why they're undefeated. Because Gonzaga starts like that. Going on 10-0 runs to start a game. Are you kidding me? How do you stop that? How do you stop? Tell me how you stop that. Because I don't know how. USC didn't know how. Norfolk State didn't know how. Will Baylor know how? Baylor has the best defense in college basketball, but will they know how to stop Gonzaga? The best offense in college basketball? Now keep in mind that is an opinionated statement. I don't have the statistics in front of me to tell you that Gonzaga is the number one offense in in the league, or in the league in the NCAA. That's an opinionated statement that Gonzaga is the number one offense in all of basketball. Gonzaga would wipe the floor, would wipe the floor with the Chicago Bulls. They have, they have with the rest of the NCAA. Put them against the Chicago Bulls once, see how that goes. Gonzaga's the best team. They're going to win by 5, 10 points. I'm going to say 10 points just to be controversial. They're going to win by 10 points in the championship. It won't be close. That's my national champion. Is Gonzaga, the Bulldogs. Yep. Yep. Sign it, seal it, deliver it. Gonzaga over Baylor in the championship. Let's move on to this last segment of the Tony G Show. This is one that I've been reluctant to talk about just because I think of, you know, either the lack of professionalism in talking about this or the lack of attention that it usually gets. But you know what? This is the Tony G Show. This isn't some high-ranking network where you're told what to say. I'll talk about what I want to talk about. And I know Will McCormick wanted to take part in this discussion a little bit, so I apologize for having this discussion without him here. But, no less... Understand that this newest class of the WWE Hall of Fame is the mark of a childhood. Mark of my childhood in particular. Molly Holly. Okay, granted, I don't know too much about her. But Eric Bischoff, great colleague, Kane, Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam being the gymnast specialist. Being the silly putty guy who, I mean, could bend his legs in places that hurts me to watch. Do I think Rob Van Dam was deserving to get in? I, I don't... Uh, yeah, I do because of his his part in ECW, the, the branch off of WWE that when they purchased, you know, whatever, how that all went down. For his work on ECW, he made it a thing. The Hardcore Championship, ECW belt, all, all sorts of that nonsense. So Rob Van Dam can get in for his part in that. Kane, obviously, playing a big role in... 
in one of the biggest storylines that WWE has ever run with The Undertaker, the Brothers of Destruction, their past, whatever, obviously Hall of Famer. Eric Bischoff, he had a lot of influence on the WWE after their er Attitude Era. Even during the Attitude Era for a, a slight moment. Eric Bischoff, obviously, after the purchase of WCW from WWE, had a big role in the in Monday Night Raw, in some of the characters and some of the athletes. He's a guy that obviously should be in the Hall of Fame. Molly Holly, I can't touch too much on. Got to be honest with you. I more so ran around the house when, when WWE was on, so I, I didn't watch all these wrestlers that, that much in depth. I knew who they were, but I, you know, in terms of making an argument for them. The one guy, however, great colleague that I have not mentioned so far, because I've said it on past Tony G shows, and I'll say it again. I don't know that the guy deserves to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. What did he do special? The guy was big. The guy was huge. And that was it? And you're going to let him in the Hall of Fame for that? What? What did he do to the game? The game. What did he do to the organization? What did he... He had a lot of impact on the fans, sure. He had storylines and, and rivalries with big guys. Big talent, like the big show. Kane, The Undertaker. Yeah, okay. But what was his claim to fame? He didn't run in a storyline like Kane did. He wasn't the leader and influencer of an entire branch off of the WWE and ECW like Rob Van Dam was. He didn't draw up storylines and, and create fan interaction with other talent on the roster for WWE like Eric Bischoff did. What did he do special? And you know, this is a kind of a negative argument, which I don't really like to have on the Tony G show. You know, because I, I, I can't, I don't want to rain on someone's parade when they've been elected to the Hall of Fame of the organization that they've spent a lot of their life in. Life in. So good for Great Kali that he's in. I'm, you know, I'm happy for you. Is of Indian descent, which I'm sure does play a role in getting in. You know, it was one of the first major uh, talent roster characters that was not strictly. Caucasian or African American. You know, they brought in that different race and he did a lot for that race in terms of WWE and, and wrestling and, and spreading influence throughout that race, which is great and beautiful, especially like I've mentioned earlier in this episode in this very charged time, especially in America, of 2020 heading into 2021. But in terms of in-ring wrestling, I don't see it. I do not see it from Great Kali. I'm sorry, I don't. You tell me what he did special. I don't know what he did. He wasn't a 16-time world champion Ric Flair. He wasn't a guy who spent 20, 30 years in the WWE, Triple H, Undertaker. He was a guy for, who, who was here for a, a brief amount of time, didn't win that many championships, didn't run that many big storylines. He didn't do nothing special. That's my argument. Make an argument for me that Greg Kelly should be in the Hall of Fame. I can't see it. Let me know what you think at Tony G Show. Let Will know what you think at Willis5312. Of this topic, the WWE Hall of Fame, of the earlier topics of Major League Baseball heading into 2021 and the most impressive teams in March Madness, let me know who you're predicting to win the championship on Twitter and such. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tony G Show. Will was missed, but it was a very good episode. Let me know what you think. We addressed some very controversial topics 
in sports and the sporting world today. Let me know what you think. At Tony G Show on Twitter. Thanks for listening. Remember, next week for episodes number 17 and 18 of season 6 of the Tony G Show. Very big episodes. Tony G Show interviews Sam Fonder on Tuesday. And then Thursday, Jared Reinhardt, the golf expert for the Tony G Show, will come in to discuss the Masters. Right off the bat, first segment of that episode on Thursdays, the Masters gets kicked off on Thursday. Good shows planned. This was a good show. Thank you for tuning in. I look forward to the rest of the season. We're now in the back half of Season 6 of the Tony G Show. I can't wait to see where it takes us. Let me know what you think of this episode and more at Tony G Show on Twitter, at Willis5312 on Twitter. We look forward to the return of Will McCormick and the return of the Tony G Show next week. Thanks again for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time right here on the Tony G Show. <laughs>